Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Kerry Clark, columnist, editorial board. Metro editor, Greg Jefferson. Nancy Pryor Johnson, editorial board, deputy editor. Um, we're going to talk later in the podcast about um, two San Antonians who are running for higher office, uh, Roland Gutierrez and Will Hurd. Um, but I wanted to start off talking about um, a big Sunday story that, Greg, that you you co-wrote about a push that's happening to uh, build a new arena downtown for the Spurs and possibly uh, have uh, that and a new stadium for the missions side by side. Right next door. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on with Which that? is, uh, would be a hell of a footprint. That's <laughs> a lot of space. Uh, yeah. So um, it kind of starts with the ownership groups of each, both the Spurs and the missions. You've got a lot of cross ownership. Uh, Peter Holt, who is chair, managing partner mm -hmm. of the Spurs organization. He's an investor in the San Antonio missions. Bruce Hill, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's the Spurs investor from way back. He's also an, an investor in the missions. And there are just several other Spurs, Spurs shareholders who also have stakes in the missions. So it's not really surprising that there would be, you know, some discussion about building uh, a downtown baseball stadium, which the missions ownership groups have been pretty clear about. Um, Nelson Wolf Stadium on the far west side is um, pretty run down. Uh, Major League Baseball uh, is not thrilled with it. Mm -hmm. uh, they took over minor league ball a couple of years ago. And uh, minor league teams have until, I believe it's 2025, to come up to N MLB standards. Um, the missions ownership group had to get a deferral uh, because, oh. yeah, I mean, Nelson Wolf Stadium is so far behind yeah. uh, what ML MLB wants to see. But even apart from that, uh, it was clear from the beginning that uh, the missions want to be downtown. Uh, this is not surprising given that one of their investors, um, two actually, is uh, Graham Weston and Randy Smith, who are co-founders of Weston Urban, which is a major downtown developer. Mm -hmm. uh, having a baseball stadium downtown could, hey, could make it more attractive to live. Uh, ultimately, you have more uh, residents living in the area because of heightened nightlife and more sporting opportunities, that kind of thing. You'll have employers then moving downtown. Well, really you, good for, go ahead. You know, as you pointed out too, you know, if you do have this, the arena, the basketball right. arena and the baseball stadium side by side, yeah. you're covering almost 12 months of the year. I mean, that's like that's maybe, right. maybe baseball and basketball. Yeah, it's, it's very complimentary. Uh, so the Spurs, uh, you know, they've been in, um, you know, the AT&T Center is 21 years old. They, their lease expires in 2032, which sounds like, you know, that's nine years away. That's quite a while. It's actually not. I mean, you can't go to Walmart and pick up, a, you know, a new, a new basketball arena. Uh, so it's not surprising that they're kind of exploring the idea of moving downtown now. And it's also uh, not surprising that they would want to do so. This is something they'd want to consider. Um, you know, the AT&T Center, um, if they move, if they wind up leaving and coming downtown, it's not going to be because uh, AT&T Center is a low quality uh, facility or, you know, needs a lot of work. It, it really doesn't. I mean, it needs some sprucing up, it needs a few more modern amenities. Uh, but really, it's about location. So when the county kind of won this coup against the city in the late 1990s, mm -hmm. uh, Mayor Howard Peake had been talking with the Spurs about, you know, a downtown arena somewhere. Um, 
and it just didn't work out. He was proposing basically the parking lot of the the Alamo Dome. Never, it just didn't pan out. So the the county under uh, then uh, County Judge Mary Taylor Cryer kind of swooped in and said, "Hey, we've got we've got real estate right next to the Freeman Coliseum on the east side," and that's what happened. Um, the problem is uh, there was never any real push by the county to develop, you know, to kind of encourage development around the arena. So there's not, you don't have much in the way of restaurants, bars, everything you kind of look for uh, outside of major cities. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like, basically they took AT&T Center and then built it up uh, amidst, you know, a lot of warehousing operations, logistics operations. I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty barren out there. And it's not gotten any better over the last 21 years. Um, and it, in, in thinking about this, and I know former County Judge Nelson Wolf is is really, and no, I, I was thinking about hates uh, it. There, hates that he, he hates the idea. And I was also thinking, <laughs> I don't know about the baseball stadium, but you know, we're talking about having a new baseball stadium when the current one was named after him. So right, right. that's got to there've got to be some emotions there. But yeah, yeah. But one of the things I was thinking about is that building a new basketball arena downtown is almost like a, a statement that. The very idea mm-hmm. of locating AT and T Center where they did that that the whole project was was really a mistake in some way, you know, uh-huh. because it because it didn't it didn't generate what they were hoping to, and they're basically saying, well, right. we got to it, it did, it's it's not that's right the way to go that's right, but but um, so there's some pride involved in this. I mean, it, you know, like I said, this was Cindy Taylor Cryer's uh, baby back in the day, yeah. but uh, Nelson Wolf was her successor and he, he's really the one who oversaw the construction mm-hmm. of AT&T Center. Uh, he, you know, he was behind hundreds of millions of dollars of improvements to the facility over the years. Uh, so he feels, uh, you know, he, it's kind of a, a point of pride for him. Sure. Um, so it's it's hard to, you know, now be talking about a downtown arena. If we were talking about a baseball stadium downtown, maybe his tone would be a little different. Maybe not. But he raises a really good point um, that, you know, if, if this becomes a thing and the Spurs, uh, you know, do pursue in earnest a, a downtown baseball stadium, one of – you know, one thing the city and the Spurs will have to address is what do you do about the AT&T Center and the possibility of it cannibalizing business from the Alamo Dome? Because suddenly you'll have the AT&T Center without uh, an anchor tenant. There's almost, you know, it's it, to me, it's it's really hard to imagine them bringing in another anchor tenant, somebody who will keep the place, you know, kind of humming, uh, you know, big chunk of the year. Like, who would that be? We don't know. And I, I just think it's very unlikely. So you'll have, um, you know, the county will still own the AT&T centers and they've got to keep it going. Um, they're going to, you know, they'll be really leaning into event, much more concert and event business than they've had to do up to this point. Mm-hmm. And that's going to cut into, uh, you know, what they're trying to do with programming at the Alamo Dome. Mm-hmm. So you've suddenly got two facilities that were already competing, doing it much more fiercely. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it'd be instructive to look at the, um, the history of the, the pyramid in Memphis, which was built mm-hmm. for, um, it was built for for what was then Memphis State, uh, their, their basketball program, mm-hmm. and also as a, as a concert facility. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was used by the Grizzlies for a while until they built a new uh, arena like downtown near near Beale Street. And they had the I, I want to say that it, it it ended up being bought mm-hmm. by like Dick Sporting Goods or something like that, and it's uh-huh. been turned into this incredibly big uh, megastar. I 
I, if, if I'm wrong, anybody knows about that, you know, they can correct us. But, but the, it, 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 I think they struggled with, we've yeah. got this thing. It's mm-hmm. fairly close to downtown. It's mm-hmm. this huge arena. Mm-hmm. What purpose does it serve now? Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. What? Okay. And there's so much. I mean, first of all, great job by you and Madison. Yeah, thank cool. you. And just, just, Thanks. We need at least an hour just to really go through, yeah. all, through all of these. these <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. Yeah, different totally. things. Yeah. First of all, looking at the AT&T Center. Mm. Um, you know, you know as, a, as a native East Side who spent most of my lived most of my life on the East Side, and mm-hmm. I, I supported AT&T Center. I supported the Alamo Dome. I love the idea of a mm-hmm. downtown sports district. But I almost was not like hell the way mm-hmm. the way things were done is mm-hmm. that um, promises were made. Right. And they did build it. There's nothing wrong with the facility, but they did nothing around it. So mm-hmm. why is is there any talk? And it doesn't sound like the ears, any talk about still trying to do something around that? Because it's not far the from AT&T downtown. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, no. I mean, not not that we've picked up at all on in our reporting. Okay, yeah. then when it comes to to the minor league baseball stadium downtown, I'm a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to Oklahoma City on assignment and on a mm-hmm. free night gone to a minor league baseball game. Sure. Mm-hmm. How many other folks do that? If you're coming to San Antonio, I was in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. If you're coming to San Antonio, and it's just the base. And I'm just trying to understand this myself. What is the attraction of a minor league baseball team mm-hmm. in San Antonio, in downtown? Downtown. I mean, the only, um, well, first of all, it's, and and this is this is kind of a two-pronged thing. It's easier to get to yeah. than driving out, you know, US 90 to yeah. the far west side. Uh, so if you're coming in from San Marcos or New Braunfels, it's, it's just easier to access unless you can't find parking. <laughs> and that's, sure you know, that's sense. another thing. Sure and sense. we have, we couldn't even get into <laughs> different parking configuration is there's just, there are just too many unknown variables. There'd also be more entertainment around it. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's my next point. Yeah. I mean, the idea is uh, you would have not only a, a new stadium, but you would have, uh, you know, a lot of restaurants and bars within walking distance, but also you're, you'd be likely to have, and probably with some, you know, some kind of city or county incentive, uh, a lot of uh, restaurant and bar development close to the stadium. So you would have, you know, it'd be a lot like, um, but who was, you know, like okay. Staples St- Arena in, in who would Los be Angeles. going, who would be traveling to San Antonio? Oh, you're saying my, for, for my new baseball, baseball game. Yeah, yeah. Because everything else is gonna, is, that's around there, it's yeah. gonna already be around well, that's, there. That's the thing. I mean, you're mo- for the missions, you're talking about locals. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No, nobody's coming in from Corpus or, yeah. they have you know, Laredo, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, I love the idea. Right. And as someone who loves baseball, I love the idea of, of, of yeah, yeah. after this broadcast, uh-huh. yeah, uh, yeah. being able to, to, to walk mm-hmm. a few blocks to and I think, baseball game. I think that may be part of the idea behind creating, uh, you know, colo co-locating these two facilities yeah. create kind of like uh an even bigger district which will attract you know more retail more more restaurants more bars and it becomes much more of a it's not just a a minor league baseball game at that point it's yeah. kind of like a night out you yeah. know it's like yeah. go have a nice dinner have some drinks go to the game yeah. have some more drinks you know. And it is the question, though, I mean, long term, because, I mean, if you have a new shiny new baseball stadium downtown, right. I think maybe early on, there'll be interest. Yeah. And yeah. the question is going to be long term. Mm-hmm. Are people going to want to keep going to minor league baseball? I'm with you. I I think it would be really oh, fun. Put the minor league team in the AT&T. 
for the Man League Stadium to the AT&T Center uh-huh. and then build around it. Like, uh, that's, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. yeah. I think it would be really fun, but I don't know, uh, yeah. you know, what the what the uh, the audience would be for it over yeah. a long period of time. Right. I mean, I guess the uh, uh, an obvious question, and this is something you all were working on, and I'm sure it's really hard to get any information at this point, is like, mm. how is this thing going to be funded? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> uh, the Spurs, uh, you know, it's going to involve public finance. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're uh, talking about the like, city, you think? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's complicated in that, um, you know, you've got you've got the Spurs uh, lease agreement with the county, which expires in 2032. Uh Basically, if they leave any sooner than that, it's, you know, it, it's you're talking liquidated damages. I mean, you're basically talking about a buyout of that. And that's, you know, of, of that lease agreement. So that's one part of it. Um, and it would be hard to imagine. Um, although, you know, may, maybe I was going to say the, the county would probably have nothing to do with the development of a downtown arena. But maybe I mean, maybe they would join with the city. Uh, partner with the city of San Antonio to help with the development. I think, I think that's unlikely, but mm-hmm. it could happen. Uh, but yeah, you're talking about city, city funding, you know, probably, uh, having to go to voters to ask for some kind of, uh, public finance. How do y'all think that would go over with, with the, with the taxpayers of San Antonio? Mm-hmm. I see mixed reviews out there. I see people saying, yeah. no way. But what about know? Wimby? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that's, that's a big sum. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, I just, you know, I see, I see people saying the money should go to, um, to other efforts, but I actually haven't seen what those efforts are. So people are saying they should go to other efforts and, and benefit people of San Antonio better. Yeah. But I haven't seen any ideas yet. And so I do think. You know, I do think the arena could help um, and could help tourism, could help um, the economy here. Mm. Um, and again, I have not seen, okay, well, if you say that the stadium, which, you know, I live downtown now. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know for how much longer, but I live here now. And it's that's also a mixed bag of what I think of that, <laughs> given the construction we'll and everything. That's that another one. episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think it would help. To, you know, sometimes you're driving around downtown and it's not exactly the most lively place. And there's not a whole lot going on. And, and it's just, it's kind of sad. And like, I just, I'm getting back just last night from Miami, from a um, National Association of Hispanic Journalists Conference in Miami last week. One of the events, one of the receptions I went to was at the Miami Heat um, Arena. Mm -hmm. It was right there. It was downtown. We took, um, you know, we we walked it. Um, It was lively. There's so much around there. And it felt, I mean, obviously it's Miami, Florida, right? But it's, it's bustling. It's, it's busy. Mm-hmm. There's traffic all over the place. Right. Half the time we couldn't get an Uber to pick us up because they canceled mm-hmm. because they were so frustrated with the traffic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But imagine, you know, and I think San Antonio, um, we need to think bigger, you know, and yeah. we need to not hold ourselves back and and just look at, well, it didn't work out in the past or it didn't deliver. But, you know, think of the possibilities of what it could yeah. do. The thing I was going to ask you, Carrie, is because I think we, we I think we've both seen over the years that even people who are big sports fans. Yeah. There's sometimes a, you know, a pushback to the idea of mm-hmm. major league sports franchises basically, uh, you know, uh, forcing uh, yeah. or, or, you know, maybe uh, uh, blackmailing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that's hap- that's the proper term for what's happening here, but it does happen sometimes. Uh, communities into saying, you know, we're 
or being you gotta you gotta you, you gotta used as buy the, this thing for us being used as the other as the other yeah. woman in the case of you know the Oakland Raiders or yeah. or the promise of a, of a uh, NFL team. I, I do think Wemby is a, is a wild card. I um, I think that if if it's something that goes to to voters, this is one. It would be one of these issues which has the potential to unite this coalition of very liberal and very conservative mm. activists mm. against it. Mm. Um, mm. And again, I think that it's changes if we're not talking, again, taking AT&T and the Spurs out of it, just looking at a baseball stadium. It'd be different if, if, if we were talking about the potential for a major league baseball stadium. Because I still want to believe that somewhere down the line there's that. One of my great experiences at the papers when the Spurs played uh, the Pistons Detroit and one night, on an off night, a few of us, me, Mike Finger, Tom Osborne, the late Tim Griffith. Mm -hmm. You know, we went to a Detroit Tigers baseball game in the middle of downtown. And mm -hmm. Who goes to Detroit Tigers baseball games unless you really love the Tigers? But it was a great experience in going to Greek town afterwards. I would love for us to be able to have that here in San Antonio with the baseball stadium. I just don't think it's going to be with the minor league. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do think there is, when, again, when it comes to taking it to the voters, I think there's a especially after the false promises of the AT&T mm -hmm. and the Alamo Dome, especially the AT&T, because the Alamo Dome, you can make a case. The Alamo Dome really has more than paid for itself and is valuable. But the AT&T, which is also is a great facility, it was just not a single promise was kept. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder how much support there would be among voters. The fact that I'm torn myself. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. you know, the great sort of like, you know, maybe political center might, you know, might uh, get behind it. But I think your point is really interesting. Progressives are going to look, say, well, this is benefiting developers. You know, this, that we have so, so a lot of big needs in the community. Why are we doing this? And I think there are conservatives who are going to say, this is just yeah. a, a, another, you know, another big spending. Mm. I met this lady uh, right before I left for the conference and I went to get a manicure and, and this lady starts. So she finds out I, I work at the paper, you know, it's like, you look familiar. And then she says, oh, yes. OK. So she the first thing she talks about was the Spurs. Yeah. And she starts going off and saying, well, you know, the we shouldn't the city shouldn't help fund it. And 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 basically her premise was the Spurs have plenty of money. We should not. We should not. Have, I mean, and this is this lady's a uh, she's a surgeon and she lives here in San Antonio um, and she moved here from the East Coast. And so she says the Spurs have plenty of money. Look at how much <laughs> they are paying Popovich, 80 well, million dollars over five years. So do we really need to give the Spurs any money? Right. And. She's not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but that's, I that's not the way sports works now. I know, no, no, it's not, it's not. But I mean, you also all of this kind of all of this kind of works together. I mean, uh, uh, two years ago, uh, the Spurs kind of restructured its its uh, base of shareholders and its governance structure. So what that means is they brought in. A, a private equity firm from San Francisco, mm -hmm. Sixth Street Partners, and uh, Michael Dell. Uh, they bought a combined thirty percent of of the team, and so you lump that in with the Holt family and their ownership. They've got, and you know, they can do what they want, mm -hmm. and they restructured um, the management so that uh, Peter Holt, uh, 
Peter, the the son of of the great uh, Peter Holt, who who really kind of ushered the Spurs through his championship era. Uh, the son is is no he he had been chairman of the Spurs. He's now the managing partner, which means he has operational control. And that's that hadn't been the case before. Mm-hmm. It was always kind of you'd have to neg- negotiate with other investors. He doesn't have that constraint now. He can pretty much do what he wants. And then after that, you had several other major, invo- you know, uh, major new investors. Uh, there was a, a Joe Gabbia, who is a co-founder of Airbnb. Uh, Catherine Lewis, uh, locally, she she became a, a, an investor. They have a ton of investment capital that they're working with now. Mm. Yeah. And so could some of that go to an arena? Yes, it could. Yeah. Will uh, they pay for their own arena? Very unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they will do... Uh, they w- will try to do so if they proceed with this. Uh, they'll probably try to do so in partnership with the city, which is to have taxpayers pay for part of it. And if Tony Gonzalez was here, what would he ask? Right. Yeah, right, right. Tony right. Gonzalez say, would say, and are they yeah. going to play all their games right. at the arena? Yeah, yeah. Are they yeah, still yeah. going to go to Austin? Yeah, yeah this is, yeah. <laughs> our, uh, go ahead. No, it's an interesting thing because, you know, of course, there's been, you know, Antonio Gonzalez has been upset because they've, they're playing a couple of games in Austin. Yeah. And, and of course, there's been that fear of, of the, the Spurs relocating. It, it, the whole thing has reminded me of, because I, I don't know that any team does that kind of thing now, aside from the Spurs, where they play games, some games outside of the city, but... I remember back in the in the Celtics city, and this is like the latter part of the Havlicek era and all through the Bird era, mm-hmm. I think from about 74 to 95, they would play about three games a year in Hartford. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and the other day I was looking at that because I was remembering that. And, uh, wonder, and I didn't really know the history behind it. And apparently, this may or may not be true, but apparently, um, you know, the ABA was still around. And they were basically trying to lock down the Hartford market because they thought maybe the ABA might try to go into Hartford. Uh, so the Boston Celtics thing, we're going to play a few games there. So there was a, so there was there was a logic to it, and I think with the Spurs, mm-hmm. I mean there is a, a logic to the idea of we want to expand our market mm-hmm. and we can do that. And I've always thought, and I know there's there are some intelligent people who have the opposite take on this that. Playing a couple of games in Austin actually maybe solidifies the idea that they're going to stay in San Antonio because if mm-hmm. they can build a fan base in Austin this way, they they wouldn't necessarily need to move. I, 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 it I, would work for them. I, I yeah. agree. And, and it goes back again to drawing people from out of town, which, again, you're not going to do that with a minor league baseball team. You know, the Spurs, especially the this what we think is going to be this new, this new, this new Wimby-led era mm-hmm. and pop-led era of of the Spurs is going if it's going to draw people from from Austin, mm-hmm. which goes back to the point: if the Spurs in the ATT and T Center, then why don't y'all even now at this late mm-hmm. date start building around sure. that corridor on the east side sure. mm-hmm. so that the folks coming from Austin after the game you don't route them back on thirty five to go back to Austin to you know, go downtown. That's my high speed rail yeah. between yeah. Austin and San Antonio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. with a depot yeah. right at right at the ATT yeah. Center. Yeah. You don't remember yeah. when Julian was mayor and they had the East Side re- redevelopment? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, those those. Uh, forums yeah. and yeah. the AT and T Center was always a topic of conversation. What are we going to do with that? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. it's just it, do they just look at it like a lost cause? Like there's just no way uh-huh. it's ever going to happen. So, I think that I mean, would that? And I guess the question would be, 
how expensive would it be to do and why hasn't it been done yet? Why haven't they built up that area around the AT&T Center? Are they just giving up on it? And yeah. obviously, I mean, it's over 20 years now. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. 21. It is a sad place. It's nothing. barren. Nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not even tried. No. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about this a lot, I'm sure, uh, over the next few months. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about two San Antonio long shots. The new minor league baseball. Right, that, yeah, that's right. Antonio long shots. Okay, yeah, that's. Aww. <laughs> there you go. Um, Which might not be best. Everything's for everything's all connecting here. Um, yeah. We've got uh, Will Hurd, the former Republican congressman, Central Catholic High School, I'm sorry, Marshall High School graduate, uh, running for the Republican nomination for president. And uh, we've got Roland Gutierrez, uh, Democratic state senator, uh, running for Ted Cruz's U.S. Senate seat. He is the Central Catholic High School graduate. Um, Both of them are, you know, these these are going to be very tough races for different reasons. Um, I think Will Hurd... um, you know, I think anyone challenging Donald Trump for the Republican nomination, they're, they're in a long shot. And Will Hurd has major name recognition challenges and so on. I think if he got in in the general election, if he somehow got it out of the Republican primary, he's talking a lot about working in a bipartisan fashion. He's talking about, uh, you know, preserving our old alliances. He, there's a lot of sort of traditional Republican talk and about um, following the rule of law. And he's criticized a lot, Donald, a lot of what Donald Trump has done. I think he'd probably be a pretty appealing mm-hmm presidential candidate in a general election, he'd have bipartisan appeal. Getting there would be the the big problem. Roland Gutierrez uh, has a tough race with Colin Allred, the, the uh, congressman from Dallas, but I think he's got a pretty good chance there. But if you get out of that, then you got Ted Cruz trying to win a statewide election in Texas, which hasn't mm-hmm. been done um, in, in nearly 30 years. So... Uh, Carrie, I'll start with you. Like, what we've we've seen some of the the messaging from both of them. Um, what what stands out to you from as far as what what these candidates are trying to put out there? Hurd is someone that uh, he's someone that that even if you're not a Republican, if you're not conservative, he, it's who you would want the Republican, the conservative, the Republican Party to look like. Not that you he doesn't agree with you and everything, but he's he's reasonable. He's he's thoughtful. Uh, of course, the, you know he has the he lacks name recognition. It, it is interesting that the highest point in his career as a congressman, the highest point of name recognition, is something that people don't talk about anymore. And it wasn't it wouldn't serve him now running in a Republican primary, but it was when he did the road trip with Beto, which is when yeah. people first yeah. had that. <laughs> well, that's when people first great work money giving yeah. of, of, of 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 Beto. And memories, you, yeah. <laughs> Heard is the kind of of candidate, and we've said this before. Heard the Tony Gonzalez. That's who the Republican Party should be yes. building around and not up. Well, one of the things, one, one of his big messages is, which I think would have appeal for independents and maybe some moderate Democrats, is saying. Um, Republicans ought to be concentrating on beating Vladimir Putin and concentrating on 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 China and not be attacking my friends in the LGBTQ community. That's he's. I think that's pretty close to a quote from him. And uh, you know, again, we see all the demonization of uh, gays and lesbians that are happening and and the transgender community happening right now in the Republican Party. And he's he's really coming out strongly against all that. Mm-hmm. He's talking about. Um, uh, you know, uh, cybersecurity. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think one, I think one of the arguments that he's, that he's making that, cause I, I th- one of the things that stands out to me is that 
he's in attacking Donald Trump, he's doing a lot of the same, uh, putting out a lot of the same ideas that we're seeing from Chris Christie, mm-hmm. the former New Jersey governor. And Chris Christie is probably better at it because Chris Christie, I think, is a natural <laughs> attack right dog. I mean, he's just, you know, he's he's got real skill at it. Yeah. Um, but one thing that Will Hurt is bringing to the table is he was in the CIA. He's talking about national security. He's saying we can't afford to have a president uh, who doesn't or a Republican nominee that doesn't have this kind of experience on, you know, on the international stage. And so I think he, um, I, I, I don't know how well that's going to play for him. But speaking, but, on, anyway. speaking on, on international stage, the, the thing is with the, all the different qualifications, what you have to get in terms of donors and percentage point, he may not even get on the stage for a debate. And you would, mm-hmm. I, they are to, for, for at least the first debate, especially since Trump himself is not going to be there. And it's not an outrageous number of, of candidates, I don't think it's even as many as it were for Democrats yeah. in 2020. The people like 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 Will Hur, who don't hit the one percent, who may not have the forty thousand, thirty thousand different donors, they should at least allow them on the stage for that first mm-hmm. debate, yeah. so people can at least hear them and see them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Will Hurd is is wonderful. I would, I mean, I normally vote Democrat, mm-hmm. um, but I would vote for Will Hurd. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, someone I know told me, um, and this person's black, uh, said he doesn't know if our country is capable of electing another black president Mm -hmm. and saying that the racial disparities um, on the great landscape of politics, right, in in our nation is just so divided racially that they think that there will not be another black president anytime Mm. soon and that that would actually hurt Will. Um, I hope not. Mm. I hope that's not the case. I hope that, um, I hope he has a shot, but I mean, I understand as well. I know there was a, there was a recent, um, when he first announced there was a, I think it was a TPR, NPR, I believe it was NPR interview and they're saying, um, will who or yeah. <laughs> uh, something like that. And I mean, I've, you know, in, in my interactions with him and everything I've seen on him and his campaign, um, there's nothing that concerns me and, and why he wouldn't be able to get my vote, um, which I think says a lot. If if me, who I mean, I'm fairly liberal, um, not extreme though, right? right? I'm not, so I'm not extremely liberal, um, but if I can see um, that he would be a great president, then hopefully others could see that too, and then just come more to the middle. Um, and I think that he's definitely what we need. I mean, we don't need some extreme, and I you know that he talks against all this extreme. I mean, we don't need another Trump in office. We just don't. Mm. It, it's it's national security and everything else, it, it would be a very dangerous situation to have Trump back in office for so many reasons. One of the arguments he's making, which is also the Chris Christie argument, is that Trump is just a loser, that, you know, that he, uh, <laughs> that, uh, yeah. you know, Republicans had a bad midterm in 2018. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, Trump got voted out of office in 2020. They underperformed in 2022. They've lost the, the U.S. Senate. Um, he's, uh, you know, and, and I, I think that, and I think it's a that's a persuasive argument. But I don't know that how well that plays with the Republican right. base, and yeah. he's the person that they're going to go to. I mean, what it, you've got, you know, take a take a candidate like Ron DeSantis. Uh, you know, the ability to kind of rack up legislative victories, like that's his thing, mm. right? He's he's an effective administrator. That's mm. part of his that's part of his campaign. Yet, I mean, his policies are are pretty hard right 
policies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're in do- designed in part, you know, his war with, you know, Disney, for God's sake. Like a lot of that. Yeah. It's, it's purely, uh, it's pretty transparent. It's to get the base riled up. Um, Will Hurt's candidacy is, is very different. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he doesn't have, he was never uh, a governor or, you know, a mayor. Oh, he was a congressman. Uh, so he doesn't, he, you know, he can't, he can't claim competency in the same way that DeSantis can. But uh, we'll see with Will Hurd uh, how a candidate who doesn't pander to the far right, how they're going to do or how he's going to do in the Republican primary. Um and I hope uh, I hope he gets some traction. Mm-hmm. You know, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, and I I, yeah. I I agree with a lot of what he says. I just get the feeling that he's uh, he'll be <coughs> not even kind of an afterthought. I hope not. Yeah. I mean, I hope he gets some traction, and that other Republican voters will say, "Okay, there's there's hope." I mean, yeah. we're not. It's not yeah. all about the far right. There's there is a more centrist wing of the party. I think he'll generate interest from the media, but I just don't know uh, about, <laughs> right. about Republican voters. You know, I, m- I remember talking to Joe Strauss last year and he was basically saying my type of, of politics or my my yeah. type of Republicanism is just not in fashion mm-hmm. anymore, right. or it's not, or at least not now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's certainly true for Will Hurd. And mm-hmm. um, so I feel like he's, tr- he's really trying to change the Republican mm-hmm. Party. I'm not just trying to win an election. I'm really, I'm in the press of trying to say the Republican Party needs to be a, become a different party or maybe go back to some of what right. it it wasn't yeah. before. Mm-hmm. That's that's hard. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. Um, I talked about Roland Gutierrez. He, um, you know, that we that we've been hearing for a while that he was gonna he was gonna make this run. I think that, you know, Will Hurd is not hold, does not hold office now. So in in a sense, he has nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, Roland Gutierrez is in a somewhat similar position in that his his uh, seat is not up in twenty twenty four. Colin Allred is is basically. Uh, giving up a congressional seat to run for the U.S. Senate. And I think that's what's held back a lot of people in the past. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Joaquin Castro has looked at the Senate in the past, but, uh, and, and other statewide offices. But it's, it's, it's a lot to give up a you know, congressional seat, and, and Colin mm-hmm. Allred had to really fight to win the one that he won. Mm-hmm. So Roland Gutierrez, in a way, he's got a free pass at this. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kennedy of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram made the point last week that um, while Colin Allred is better funded at this point and probably better known, mm-hmm. that Roland Gutierrez has some advantages that most of the Democrats in the state really are south of Austin. Mm-hmm. Dallas is really the only sort of place where you have a concentration of Democrats uh, mm-hmm. north of that. And Roland Gutierrez has been in the media a lot, especially the last year um, mm-hmm. since the Uvalde school shooting mm-hmm. um, in this in this part of the state. So the, the idea of the, the, the question of whether he could beat Ted Cruz if he made it to a general election, um, mm-hmm. we can talk about that. I think that's it's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ted Cruz is, is less vulnerable than he was in 2018 when he ran against Beto O'Rourke. But if we look at the Democratic primary, Roland versus Colin Allred, do you think he has a reasonable chance? You know, I, I, I'm be, I find my thinking evolving on this. Uh, some of it was affected a little bit by what, what Trey Martinez Fisher told us mm-hmm. last week, but... Uh, you know, both both Allred and and Roland, the, the the national attention they both get comes from regular appearances on, on MSNBC, and they'll have Allred on talking about different issues, and with Roland, it's generally you know, it's, it's it's one issue, guns, and 
Initially, I was thinking that that could be a disadvantage to Roland if he's pigeonholed as just a a, a one-issue candidate. But my God, what an issue that is. Mm-hmm. And it also gives him the opportunity to talk about about other issues. I was impressed by the video he released mm-hmm. uh, last week in announcing his candidacy. And, and, and parts of it reminded me that that uh, when he's on, he's a, a damn pretty good orator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Mm-hmm. And he has this in the intensity and this passion. Someone uh, who works up in D.C. was telling me last week that they think that one advantage that Roland has over over Colin is that is that Roland is more authentic. And I don't I don't know all that that works. You know, for I see on TV mm-hmm. and, and him, but I think that this could be one of these races. I think yeah, I think Cruz is going to be difficult to beat. But I think it's also possible that whoever emerges from this race can beat them. And, you know, unlike in, you know, six years ago, it was just, it was just Beto and Beto becoming this, this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, this could be a sharp primary where the winner who comes out will be for, will be the, the, the better for it. In mm. uh, going against Cruz, who whatever you think about him is, is, it's not, it's not dumb and is a and is a pretty good debater. So I, at one point a month ago, I would I would say this is all words all the way, but I no, I no longer feel that way. We have to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make really good points. Yeah. I think Roland is um, he's authentic. I don't think I've ever spoken to him or watched him speak at any rally or spoken to him or seen him talk to any other member of the media or on about Uvalde and him not have tears in his eyes. Um, and, you know, just to talk about what the families there have shared with him. I know the families in Uvalde are, um, are very supportive of Roland. Uh, I haven't heard any negativity, um, about that, but something to look at is, I mean, what has he been able to get accomplished for them? Yeah. So yes, he has them at the press conferences and yes, they support him. Um, but he, his hands have been tied. I mean, he hasn't been able to really get traction for a whole lot of change there. Yeah. And so you can kind of look like that too. Well, you know, he tried, but yeah. what did he actually get accomplished? I, I think he also has to, there, he has to really find a way to articulate uh, that his, his big concerns are, are federal issues that apply to the mm-hmm. U.S. Senate because he talks about guns. Gun how Texas has yeah. failed people on guns. Obviously, that's a federal issue too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he has to really emphasize that he's talked a lot about the 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 failures of the Texas grid. That's a yes. state issue. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, you know, so I think their uh, Medicare. Ex- uh, I'm sorry, Medicaid expansion. Uh, the fact that Texas hasn't done that again, I, a state issue. So I think he. Ha- that's. Yeah. I think that he has to be really. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering. That, yeah, it sounds to me like uh, he's running for governor in, in some ways. <laughs> yes, mean, it know, does. Yeah. yeah. If he. Uh, and what he's doing is really interesting. I mean, he's he's I don't think he's going to be just he's not going to be all about gun control. I think that's going to, I mean, look, the the Rob Elementary School uh shooting changed him. Mm-hmm. Like it I think probably as a person and definitely mm-hmm. as a politician before uh before the massacre. I mean, he was a backbencher in the Senate mm-hmm. and you know, nobody nobody would have thought of Roland as somebody credible, <laughs> a credible candidate to go against Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe they do. But he's talking about, he's saying, it's like, look, I mean, they're, uh, you know, rural communities have been abandoned in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about gun control. It's about access to health care. It's about, it's about education. It's mm-hmm. about infrastructure. Um, 
if if he makes good on that promise, and you kind of saw this, mm-hmm. him him starting to move in that direction during his his kind of introductory video, like if he can actually flesh that out, I mean, he may he may be able to find a way to, for Democrats to talk to rural communities, kind of like Beto O'Rourke mm-hmm. made a point of doing. You know, he went around. That's what, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's what his tour of every county in Texas was about, taking these kind of rural communities that see very little in the way of state and federal funding, who have just a lot of needs, a lot of deficits, and saying, Democrats, you know, we we used to be there for you. We're going to be there for you again, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, will Roland be able to do that? I mean, that's that's we'll see that in the next phase, whether yeah. you can do that or not. Yeah. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Hope everyone's doing well. We'll be back again with you next week. Take care.